Who would have thought that you could build a trivia game around the communion, eh? <laughs> I'm not sure whether Jesus laughed or wept. The Bible only records him weeping. I don't know whether he wept over 54 summer league present today or not. But anyway, that was really great fun. Thank you so much for that. Jeanette. Well, we're right in the middle of a series of three sermons on the subject of saved. Last week it was saved, so what? This week it's saved, what for? Or for what? I should get my English expression right. And next week it's saved by what? So we're just focusing on salvation for these few weeks. Last week we ended up I don't know whether I should say agreeing, but I told you all what you should think anyway, that there are really four major elements of our salvation, and they have to do with our identity, our character, our status, and, if you like, our placement. And as far as God is concerned, once we've made that decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ, we are saints. He sees us. As saints, no matter how good, bad or indifferent we are, once we've actually made that decision to accept the free gift of salvation, God sees us as saints. In terms of our character, we become righteous people. God's law is actually written on our hearts, on the tablets of flesh, according to the word of God. And so our character is transferred from wickedness, being wicked, to being righteous. Our status, that's a legal status and a relational status, it becomes um, justified, whereas before we become Christians, we're condemned. And I've talked about how that word justified has both a legal meaning in the biblical text and a relational meaning that God actually declares us totally free of the penalty that we deserved for our sin. And then second, we begin a relationship with him and justification involves both of those aspects. And then finally, where are we, if you like, geographically in God's scheme or what is our placement? Well, we've translated from darkness into light. So... Those four things are really important for us to understand in terms of the so what of salvation. We're saints, we're righteous, we're justified, and we walk in the light. From God's perspective, and it doesn't make any difference what we think about ourselves or what other people think about us, that's what God thinks about us. And I often say, and I mentioned this last week, when you're reading The epistles, especially the epistles that we believe Paul the Apostle wrote, he's really explaining what Christianity is all about from God's perspective. And so if you read those epistles, with that in mind, I think that that brings out the depth of meaning in them better than it does if you kind of read it from your own position. Because when you read it from your own position, it's easy to think, oh, I'm not really a saint, am I? But think, no, this is what God thinks of you, not what you think of you, and not what I think of you, and not what anyone else thinks of you. It's all about what God thinks of you. And salvation, the so what of salvation, it's all about what God thinks of you. 
not what you think of you or what someone else thinks of you. So that's by way of a recap of last week. Anyway, we could finish this sermon in the next 10 seconds because the answer to the four what is... It's up there. It's not like a trivia competition. There's the answer. We're saved for good works. It is as simple as that. We're saved for good works. Two key scriptures here, one from Ephesians and one from James. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I talked a little bit last week about what it meant to be recreated, reborn, born again, uh, regenerated. All of those terms are used to describe what happens to us at the point of salvation when our spirit is totally regenerated, totally renewed, and we become what the Bible calls a new creation. Another way of saying that is that from the moment of salvation we are Created in Christ Jesus. So that's another way of stating what happens at salvation. We are created in Christ Jesus at the point of our salvation. And there's the answer, of course, to the four what. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And many of us would have heard the quote from James chapter 2 about the relationship between faith and works, and I'm, I'm using the New Living Translation here because I think it brings out the meaning of this um, verse a little better than some of the other translations. Just as the body is dead without breath, hold your breath for long enough, guess what will happen? You'll die. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. That's not saying you won't go to heaven if you don't do good works. It's just saying that your faith itself is of no effect on the world around you, your family, your friends, people at work, people in the community, etc., unless it is expressed in terms of good works. So I like to, to express this, and I know many of you have heard me say this before, I don't believe we can become what I call a fully fulfilled Christian person unless we engage in good works. Now, we've also said many, many times that we want to build our church on the basis of what we call the great invitation, the invitation to come follow Jesus. And so we try to build a culture at Ignite Life Gold Coast which is actually built on invitation, not obligation. And we have to be so careful that we don't interpret a scripture like that in terms of obligation and start wagging our fingers at people and saying, well, you need to start getting involved in good works. So you need to come to church at least an hour early because we've got to sweep the grass off the floor. We've got to make sure the mirrors in the bathrooms are all nicely polished. We've got to make sure that the worship team is well practiced and that they've um, exercised their voices and all those kinds of things and that the preacher is fully wound up because if your preacher's not anointed then it couldn't possibly 
be a good church service. All of these things become what I call huff and puff. And I don't believe that God ever intended Christianity to be a huff and puff religion. And as I mentioned last week, and I will definitely be saying it again this week, it's not about what we do for God that matters. What we do for God isn't what brings us to the point of salvation. What we do for God is more the outworking of the love we have for Him as a result of us being saved. So I want to to spend some time talking about the nature of good works. But first, there's a list. I know the font is very small and it took me nearly half an hour to save this. But every year, the Roy Morgan polling organisation in Australia does a survey. And it surveys people about the level of trust and uh, ethical behaviour that people perceive is associated with people in various professions. And right at the top, for nearly 30 years, these surveys have been going on now for 30 years, right at the top is nurses. There's a nurse. And what's at the bottom? Car salesmen. And yet, you know what? Car salesmen have been at the bottom of that list for the full 30 years that the survey has been undertaken. Now, I'm really sorry to say, David, that engineers don't make it to the list. Yes, they do. Do they? The number five. What? Oh, sorry, I didn't see that. Oh, David, I I have to beg your forgiveness. I do have to I couldn't (coughs) see it on the list. But um, where are the teachers are all, all together, all kinds of teachers up there, number four. And um, down near the bottom, advertising people. That's a bit sad, isn't it? <laughs> um, real estate agents, insurance brokers, stock brokers. Federal MPs don't do so well. They're at number 25. And the reason why I'm showing this, yes, it's a little bit, it's a little bit funny, but a lot of people think that the nature of your occupation is an indicator of your good works. And that if you really want to do good works, you need to make sure you're not a used car salesman. You should be in one of these professions up up the top. And most of those professions are what we call helping professions. And there's also been an idea in the church that somehow it's better to be in full-time pastoral ministry or some other kind of ministry than it is to be working out in the marketplace somewhere. And that's what we call the sacred-secular divide. It's actually a Greek idea. It's not a Christian idea at all. It somehow got, um, it grew up in the church, but it doesn't actually come from the Bible. The Bible never separates our activities into secular activities and sacred activities. In fact, the biblical perspective is that Everything we do is sacred. There isn't anything we do that can actually be put into the secular box because it's all sacred in God's eyes. So good works actually has nothing to do with a list of what people might perceive as being the most or the least um, ethical um, or honest type of, of jobs. In fact, a Christian could be 
a fabulous person in the car sales industry because they bring into that industry a culture that is biblically based. And someone could actually change the culture in the motor vehicle sales industry by implementing you know, godly principles, by being honest. And in fact, one of the case studies that I've used for my students at Christian Heritage College is based on a, a car sales company that they decided that God's sense of justice required that they didn't do special deals for people who were trying to drive harder bargains. And so they gave every... And the reason for that was the principal of the car sales company, he decided that... Well, what he'd noticed was that women, in particular black women, weren't as good at getting a deal out of his sales staff as, you know, white educated men were. And he thought, you know what, that's an offence to God's character as a just God. Because women and black women in particular who didn't have standing in society and often didn't feel that they had the capacity to drive a hard bargain, they were paying more for their motor vehicles. And so he implemented a policy that said everybody gets exactly the same price no matter what kind of deal they want to do because it's not just to give a better price to someone just because they've got the skills that enable them to kind of um, bid the salesman down. And so he began to change culture, at least in his own business. Perhaps that doesn't influence the whole of the industry, but at least in his own business he was able to implement righteousness in a way that expressed the heart of God in the area of justice. So it doesn't actually make any difference what occupation you are in. Uh, John Wesley and his sermon on the uses of money, which I am going to preach on one day, but he says, do any job as long as you don't do any harm to yourself or to others and as long as you don't get involved in an occupation that the Bible expressly is against. Uh, prostitution will be one, for example. Um, but you know, Wesley said, get out there and get a job and be active right across the board in marketplace endeavours. So I want to propose to you what I believe is a thoroughly biblical understanding of good works. And I do have at least some theologians on my side because I have tested my ideas against what the theologians have written. And at least some of them agree with this. Your good works are thoughts, words or deed, deeds, plural, uh, that reflect the knowledge of his will, the knowledge of God's will. And God's will is for us to live our lives according to his word and according to his character. There's a prayer at the beginning of um, Colossians that I think is highly relevant in this context. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, 
giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. You know, we could spend three hours unpacking that passage alone. But you see, this points to good works actually being anything that is the outflow of our knowledge of His will. So do you know what? When my thought life aligns with the Word of God, that's good works. When in my relationship with my wife, I lift her up, when people around us look at our marriage and see that as a picture of the way God wants to relate to them, that's a good work. When I take time to prepare a stimulating educational lecture for my students at work, that's good works. When I take time to step across the road and speak to my neighbour who's not a Christian, that is good works. So the good news is that we don't have to do anything in particular to engage in good works, but just understand that our good works will flow from our knowledge of His will. And His will is revealed in His Word and also in terms of personal revelation through our relationship with Him. And God will prompt you at times to do something like step across the road and talk to your neighbour. I'm a little bit shy. I'm just as happy to stay inside our house. But a couple of weeks ago, um, well, probably about a month ago now, we've got new neighbours on the corner. A couple of weeks ago, there was a guy um, putting rubbish in his bin. And I thought, I really should go over and just say good day. And I thought, nah, nah, you know, I'm too busy on this and that. But I did. I made the effort to step across the road, say to him, you know, hello, I'm Rod, I just live across the road here. And he introduced himself, his name's Willie. His dad is an elderly man who I've seen walking up and down the street from time to time in the morning. And um, so we struck up a conversation. And I don't know where that will go eventually. But you see, that's good works. It's good works because the right heart was behind it and I was actually exercising something of my knowledge of his will, which is to relate positively to people because if I'm not an attractive person, how can anyone who's not a Christian ever believe that Jesus might be an attractive person? So good works are something we can engage in well, basically 24-7. Every, every one of our thoughts becomes captured for the honour of God. Our words reflect his heart And, of course, our deeds also reflect God's heart and his standard. So that we can do good works without actually changing our position in life at all. I mean, good works can be something like just doing something off the cuff, out of the blue, that's nice for a spouse or for your children. Although, you know, I I don't know that I've got time to do too much that's nice for my children because they take up a lot of time. (laughs) Anyway, Jeanette's done something nice already because everybody got a prize in the trivia competition so I don't have to worry too much about it now. <laughs> so it's, look, it's as simple as that and, and I don't know that I actually need to preach very much longer on this because we simply need to understand that the reason God saved us was for good works. 
And good works are not something that we have to get all huffed and puffed about because they just emanate from us as we lean into God through Jesus Christ and gain a knowledge of his will. Is that easy? Not necessarily because it does require us, I believe, to spend time in the Word and we have to get the revelation for ourselves personally. We can't change our thought life without getting a personal revelation of how powerful what we think is because what we think then comes out of our, our mouth and, and our brain is connected to our heart so it's fundamentally lining up our soul with our spirit which has been regenerated at the point of salvation and then allowing that to dictate or to influence what comes out of our mouths and often how we think and how we speak shows up in what we do. So they're all connected. But it's as simple as understanding what is God's will. And our good work will have fruit. It will have fruit for us, not necessarily in other people doing good works for us, but fundamentally the fruit for us is what I call becoming fully fulfilled. That is, experiencing the peace of God. That passes all understanding. So when we're lined up with the nature of God and with His will as revealed in His Word, then we experience fulfilment as Christians. And I don't know how many unfulfilled Christians I've come, ag- I've come across in my life, but when, when I come across an unfulfilled Christian, and when I hear what comes out of their mouth, I can see they haven't yet made that connection. And it gives you a lot of confidence to have a knowledge of His will, because it influences everything that we do. So, how does the so what relate to the for what? Remember, last week I really laboured on the point that our works are not the cause of our salvation. And look, we might think, well, everybody knows that, but frankly, there are a lot of uh, denominations, Christian denominations, that I don't know whether they do it on purpose or not, but they really focus a lot on works. And and people become so bound or obligated by doing good works that they forget that the good works should actually flow naturally, as it were, as a result of our salvation. So good works are not input, they're output. They're an expression of our salvation. And in fact... Logically, good works cannot possibly be the cause of salvation because the Bible itself states plainly that we are created or actually recreated for good works, not because of good works. 